Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. month of November in college football, what could be better? It continues to bring us surprises, electricity, and sometimes things that you grab your head and say, I don't know if I've seen that before. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of uh, Strong as Steel as we break down each and every one of the college football matchups that matter to you. And we try to get to uh, that uh, hallowed number of 30 each and every week. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined, as always, by the author of the best college football preview in the company, country, as well as uh, philsteel.com, inside the press box, you name it, the one and only Phil Steele. Quite a weekend, huh, Phil? Yeah, number two, number three, and number four teams all go down. First time since 1985 that uh, that has happened. Uh, so what a remarkable weekend. Open the door for some t- teams and uh, probably close the door for a couple of teams' playoff chances. No question about it. Now we want you to jump in. As we said, we go through not just Power 5. As you know, if you've been a listener to Strong as Steel, you know we go through the uh, the group of five. Power five, you've got games that you're honed in on. Let us know. 646-668-2248. Again, that number to join us live here on the show, 646-668-2248. We love social media as well. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, is uh, at hand and ready to uh, look at all of uh, your questions, opinions on Twitter. You can do that at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E, 042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim underscore Nabozna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Phil, the committee came out last night uh, with uh, their latest rankings. 
How did you assess them? And let's take them down through seven the way they went last night, even with those three losses from two, three, and four last week. Well, Michael, i got to tell you, I completely agree with the committee. In fact, every week on Sunday morning, I am a voter on the uh, Football Writers Association uh, National Football Foundation Super 16 poll, and I put in my top 16 uh, rankings for the weekend. This week, here is my rankings. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Louisville. Number six, Washington. Number seven, Wisconsin. And if you check the committee's rankings, they're exactly the same. So naturally, I have no problem at all with what the committee came up with. It's the exact same thing I came up with on Sunday morning. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And uh, so there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of scenarios and possibilities, Phil, that can spin off all of that. You know, there's some fans that wonder why right now Louisville uh, with Lamar Jackson is not ranked in the top five. And uh, Washington, are they going to be able to rebound from that? Could we have a Wisconsin-Penn State Big Ten championship game? And will the winner automatically get in as a two-loss team? We'll go through all of that during the course of the show. But I do if, if we do, as we start out today, if we do get a Penn State-Wisconsin Big Ten championship game, do you feel the winner is automatically going to get a seat at the table in the Final Four? No, I do not. And I think a lot depends on what happens out on the West Coast if you have a one-loss Washington. Uh, frankly, if you look at the teams on the field, I think they're a more complete team than Penn State. While their defense isn't as good as Wisconsin, they've got a more explosive offense, and the special teams are very mm-hmm. close. Uh, I think if you're given the eye, the eye test, you have to look at Washington as a team that can get there. Now, Washington's got some games left, so I'll worry about that at the end of the season. But I do not think <laughs> yeah. a two-loss yeah. Big Ten champ is locked in. However, if Ohio State or Michigan wins out, which they sh- one of those two should, I feel that team will be locked into a playoff spot, even if they don't make the Big Ten title game. Yeah, and the other, the probably the you know the loser. So two and three, Ohio State, Michigan, right now. Uh, quite frankly, the loser of that game in Columbus uh, on November twenty sixth will uh, eliminate Out. themselves. All right, let's get at it, Phil. We ready to go? You betcha. I think we are six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Let's uh, head to the city of Pittsburgh. Those Pitt Panthers are very very happy after their big win over Clemson last week. Here's Mike. Welcome to Strong as Steel, Mike. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Terrific. Go right ahead with Phil. Oh, nice. Great to be on. Um, I'm just taking a look at this Eastern Michigan versus NIU game. Do you think Eastern can stay strong in conference play and cover the spread and win this game outright? Yeah, that, that's about what it's going to take right now because uh, Northern originally was about a three-point favorite, and uh, today they've dropped down to a one-point favorite in the game. And I have to tell you, Mike, I've been very impressed with what Eastern Michigan's doing this year. You look at Brogan Roback. You know, he was suspended at the start of the year and didn't didn't end up coming in until the Wyoming game. And since he's come in, that offense has been very potent. He's got 13 touchdown passes, just three interceptions. They're getting enough out of the run game. I like the way they're – the defense is playing this year. It's improved over last year. Not a dominating D, but uh, still improved over last year. And, uh, you know, that game against Wyoming at home was a very impressive. That's a Wyoming team that's contending for the Mountain West title. Their losses this year have been to uh, teams like an SEC team, Missouri, on the road when Missouri was healthy. Toledo at home, Western Michigan, two of the best in the MAC, and then that surprising Miami of Ohio team. Now, Northern's another team 
that started out real slow this year. They opened up the season uh, 0-4. In fact, they were just 1-6 and after their first seven games, but they're on a roll now. In fact, over the last five games, they've got the last six games, I should say, they've got 17 sacks by and just two sacks allowed in that span. Now, Anthony Maddy, their starting quarterback, is out, but Ryan Graham's got plenty of experience. Joe Bonwa at the, the running back spot is solid. And uh, the defense, you know, much like Eastern, has been giving up some yards and points, but playing better lately. You look at the last three games, they're holding opponents about 350 yards per game, which is an improvement. The fact that it's at Eastern is a help, but uh, I think Northern will be able to handle it. I think this game's a pure toss-up for me. If I had to pick one of the two teams, I'm going to give the the slightest of edges uh, in that one to Northern to pull out a one-point win, but I think it's going to be a great MAC football game tonight. Appreciate the call, Mike. Yep, it really is, Phil. I'm going to shade the other way just a little bit. You mentioned the guy, because of Brogan rollback, I believe Chris Creighton's squad is going to win their seventh football game of the year. Phil also mentioned uh, Wyoming being a player in the Mountain West. Big one for Wyoming coming up uh, this week. Let's head to uh, New York. Here's Mark with some Mountain West thoughts for Phil Steele on Strong as Steel. How you doing, Mark? Doing very well, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I just want to bring up the San Diego State-Wyoming game. You know, that Wyoming-UNLV game was just out of control last week. And I just felt, you know, Wyoming was giving so much up on the ground. You know, they're giving up about 165 on the ground. And with San Diego State pumping through the Mountain West, I just feel like, you know, Pumphrey's just going to run all over them. You know, the line's out 10. Phil, what do you think? Thanks a lot, guys. All right, appreciate the call, Mark, uh, from the great state of New York. And, uh, you know, when I, when I take a look at this matchup, for me it's an automatic almost every weekend. Is San Diego State playing a Mountain West Conference game? If they are, I'm taking the Aztecs. It's that simple, and they haven't disappointed me. Uh, you know, last last year they allowed 240 yards per game in Mountain West play, just 13 mm-hmm. points per game. They went 7-1 and one against the spread in the regular season, and they're doing it again this year, and the numbers are even better. This year, they're allowing 230 yards per game in Mountain West play. And how about this? Seven points per game. In fact, their average score in conference play is 38-7. to seven. You touched on Pumphrey, and that's a name everybody should get to know because Donnell Pumphrey, uh, if he stays healthy, will set the career rushing record in the FBS. He'll top uh, Ron Dane for the, the all-time leading rusher in the FBS. He's already got 1,779 yards this year. He's diminutive. He's small. He's not real muscular, but I tell you what, this guy is tough, and he gets all the yards and never comes out of a game. And I do think they will be able to run the ball on Wyoming. Wyoming last week gave up 401 yards. Prior to that, they had been playing good. I think they have a decent run defense. In fact, in the Mountain West play, giving up 4.9, but I do think Pumphrey will be able to run it. I like the way Christian Chapman's playing at QB this year. Remember, he's thrown into the fire last year. This year, 15 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Now, two players to watch. Brian Hill's an outstanding running back for Wyoming, one of the better running backs in the country. Josh Allen, a very underrated quarterback. And Tanner Gentry, I should say, three players to watch. is going to be a thousand-yard receiver for them so they've got weapons there but their defense is nowhere near what san diego state does i said san diego state 230 yards per game in conference play uh more than double that for wyoming 475 yards per game so i'm going to go with the better defense the pedigree the fact they know how to win and wyoming had destiny in their own hands last week they still do if they win their last two games they'll be the division champs in the mountain west but i think san diego state gets this one by over the 10 in there appreciate the call mark 
Yeah, good stuff, Mark. Phil, I'm glad you mentioned Donnell Pumphrey. Wow, what an extraordinary talent to think that he could surpass Ron Dane, as you pointed out. Uh, you know, I would have thought that that's, that's one mark that might stand for quite a while, but not the case. This is how we do it on Strong as Steel, 646-668-2248. I'm Michael Rega, my partner, Phil Steele, the author of the very best College football preview magazine in the country. you got to have it. That's Phil Steele's College Foot Preview. And, of course, check him out as well for everything inclusive at philsteele.com. All right, let's swing out to California. Everything out in Cali going well today. Mitri with some thoughts on those USC Trojans in UCLA. Hi, Mitri. Hey, guys. What's up? My class got canceled. I get to call in for one. All right. Uh, you're cla- you're so, sk- so you're not skipping class. Good man. No, I'm not skipping class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so big night game. UCLA, USC has been rolling. UCLA finally got a win last week. Um, I got the spread here at 11 and the over-under at 52. I just want to know your thoughts. I think I like USC in this one. Um They've been playing well, and Vegas Vegas likes them a little bit more than the, the committee does. So I just want to know what you think about this game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, right now in my rankings that I sent in, I had them number 11 in the country, and uh, I, I think that any team would have troubles against USC. Here's what I like about USC. You look at their running backs and receivers. They're among the best in the country. You look at that group that they have, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster, Darius Rogers, and the running back Ronald Jones, Justin Davis, Sam Darnold's giving them the presence of QB. The offensive line is solid, and they're probably the one weakness they had coming into the year was a very inexperienced defensive line, but that defensive line is playing great. How about holding Oregon to 288 yards and Washington to 276 the last two weeks? It's a USTC team you could easily fall in love with, and like I said, my computer's actually got them right now uh, in the top ten, and I feel they are a top ten team. Uh, the way they're playing right now. But UCLA is not that bad, and this is a rivalry game, and rivalry underdogs do extremely well. And look at UCLA's losses this year. Seven points to Texas A&M on the road. That's not bad. Stanford, a game where Stanford scored on a late fumble return for a touchdown and even took the lead with just seconds left in the game. Arizona State was a three-point loss on the road, but they had a 168-yard edge. Washington State, a very hot Washington State team. They went on the road without their quarterback, Josh Rosen, and only lost by six. Utah beat them by seven. Once again, they didn't have Rosen. They they won't have Rosen the rest of the year. He's out for the year. Colorado, one of the best teams in the Pac-12, they lost by ten. Their biggest loss of the year, ten points. And there's nothing wrong with that defense. Their defense holding opponents is 61 yards below their season average in conference play. It's, in fact, they've got the number 20 defense in that category this year. So they're tough against the run in the pass. Fawful. Uh, getting better and better as he gets more acclimated to the offense. I think you'll see him have a, a better game this week. And the running game actually got going a little bit. Now, you know, the net, normally a matchup like this, I'm going to take USC, but the spread's up to 13-and-a-half, rivalry underdog. I think USC wins the game, but I'm only going to call for USC to win this thing by 7-10 to 10 points. And you're probably you're way too young to remember, but back in the 60s and early 70s, this is one of the best rivalry games in all of college football between USC and UCLA. And I think this will be a pretty good game here as well. So I'm going to take the Bruins plus the points. Appreciate the call, Mitri. This is how we do it on Strongest Steel. Uh, hope you're enjoying it, Phil. Remember that? Yeah, when we were uh, young guys, it would be Michigan-Ohio State at noon, and then the the game on ABC after that, the doubleheader, would be UCLA and USC, right? O.J. Simpson, oh, Gary Beaven back in 67. That was uh, 
A lot of good games. <laughs> We're dating ourselves. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. We'll hear from our producer, Jim Nabosna, as well. Keep your tweets coming in uh, as you want information and analysis, evaluation, at PhilSteele042, at Michael Regai, at Jim underscore Nabosna. Let's keep rolling. Let's go uh, right back to the state of New York. And here's Joseph with some uh, action thoughts on his mind. Mid-American Conference. Always big during the midweek. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to the show. Appreciate the time, guys. Uh, yeah, this is my favorite time of year. Uh, we get Maxion Tuesday, Wednesday. I wanted to see what your thoughts were on if Toledo can cover 20 against Ball State. All right. Appreciate the call, Joseph. And uh, very impressed with Toledo. Now, they've got a big game on deck, but I tell you what, it's only a big game if they win tonight. If they lose tonight, next week's game is meaningless. And I know Coach Candle will uh, definitely instill that in his uh, troops. And when you look at Toledo, it's a very impressive team. Michael's been talking about Logan Woodside for weeks. How about 37 touchdown passes, just six interceptions? They've got a dynamic running back in Kareem Hunt, who's averaging 5.2 yards a carry, and a solid receiving core. Their defense also playing well. Uh, on the season, despite their fast-paced offense. And when you look at Ball State, love watching James Gilbert play. Now, he's questionable coming in. I think he will play. Uh, he is a guy that can move the pile when he gets the ball. Riley Neal, their quarterback, has had some ups and downs, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And that right there might be the key. I think Toledo will avoid turning the ball over, throwing the ball. I think you will see a couple of turnovers by Ball State. And Ball State's defense this year in MAC play is giving their opponents 123 yards above their season average. Well, if you do that with Toledo, they're getting 625 yards here. So that's, uh, I think you're going to see Toledo have success against Ball State. Stops will be few. Can they cover the 20-and-a-half? I think so. I'm going to take Toledo in this one by three touchdowns or more. Appreciate the call, Joseph. Enjoy the game tonight. I'm with you on that, Phil. I, uh, I I see Logan Woodside and that offense doing business, although I, I do like the job, and I think you do as well, that Mike New, the former uh, Mac Player of the Year back in the early 90s, now the head coach's ball state has done. He's got that program headed in the right direction. So yeah, probably absolutely. good things coming up. Yep. Yeah. We're at four, to Michael. Chicago so we, we go. I <laughs> listen to you. Phil's got the whip out, cracking that whip out us again today. 646-668-2248. Let's go to uh, Chicago. Here's uh, our buddy Jay, who is always with us each and every time we get together at Strongest Still, usually with some SEC thoughts. Hey, Jay, welcome again to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I want to touch on some SEC with the uh, Florida-LSU matchup. I think this could be uh, an electric game. Uh, but coming into the game, I, you know, Florida's offense really hasn't been clicking too lately. And going against that, uh, you know, that front seven of LSU that might give them some problems. And I really like the two-headed monster with uh, Leonard and Juice in the backfield to the Tigers. And I, uh, I like to see them roll in this one. Your what's your guys' thoughts? All right, appreciate the call as always, Jay. Uh, you know, this is a game where it originally was scheduled to be played in Florida. Florida was fully healthy at that time. Had the game been played in Florida and Florida fully healthy? I'd rate the game a toss-up, uh, maybe even Florida's slight favorite. But the circumstances are different here. Now, Florida, if they win here, they're in the SEC championship game. If they lose, 
They need Tennessee to lose one of their final two games to get in there. And I think this time the circumstances are really against Florida. First of all, they have to play the game on the road, which is their third game away from home in the last four weeks. That's not good. They're also a very banged-up football team. They're missing their starting center. In fact, they're missing two starting offensive linemen. Luke Del Rio is out. But my biggest concern is on the defensive side of the ball. Anzalone and Davis are two of the best linebackers in the country. May is one of the best safeties in the country. Those three are Florida's top three tacklers. All three are out for this game. They might be missing defensive lineman Jefferson as well. I think that defense is going to be hurting a little bit, especially with taking out those three key players, all who could have helped against both Fournette and Geis out of the box. And LSU, they're playing great under Orgeron. They're only lost to Alabama, and that's a game where they gave up a third and nine run to Jalen Hurts late to turn that into a 10-point game as opposed to making them hold to a field goal in the 6 nothing game. So I like the way LSU's playing. They're at home. It's in Death Valley. Fournette's uh, got a little banged up last week, but he's healthy. Yeah, he and Geis are healthy. They're getting better play out of Atling. Florida's offense really struggling, 241 yards against Arkansas, 231 against Georgia. I'm going to take LSU, and I'm going to call for them to win this one by two touchdowns or more. Appreciate the call, Jay. LSU is the call there from Phil in that SEC matchup. All right, let's keep rolling here, 646-668-2248. Make sure you check in at philsteel.com, too, for Inside the Press Box and uh, many, many evaluations and uh, much more analysis uh, from Phil. Uh, let's uh, let's swing into uh, the state of Virginia and welcome Joseph to the show, one of the best ones this week, of course, West Virginia hosting Oklahoma. Hello, Joseph. How are you today? Good, thanks. Um, thanks for having me on. I was just taking a quick look at this W-Oklahoma matchup. W-W getting no respect at home or the home field advantage? Is Oklahoma that good or to really go to Morgantown and win by three, or what are you thinking? Well, you know, uh, Joseph, appreciate the call, by the way. Uh, when you look at how this series has gone the last two years, remember two years ago was a big game. Uh, Oklahoma came in in 2014 and uh, walked out of West Virginia with a 45-33 win last year at home. I think they were only about a touchdown favorite in that game, and they won the game 44-24. to So Oklahoma's held the upper hand. And the week after Oklahoma lost to Ohio State, I've been made, I made a statement, and I've stuck with it every single, all seven weeks since, I said Oklahoma's going to finish the season 10-2 and in Big Ten champ. And they're only laying three points here, so naturally I think you know who I'm leaning with here. Now, Oklahoma's got a team whose defense has given up some yards and points this year, but they're actually holding opponents to 29 yards per game below their season average. Two weeks ago against Iowa State, they were without both their top running backs, Mixon and P. Ryan. They're both available, healthy, and ready to go. Baker Mayfield, one of the better QBs in the country, about a 33-7 to ratio. And D.D. Westbrook, a likely first-team All-American a wide receiver to go along with outstanding tight end Mark Andrews. So it's really a complete Oklahoma team. When I look at West Virginia, I see a very good team. And, and frankly, they impressed me. Uh, but last week they were outgained by 153 yards by Texas. A couple weeks ago, I liked them to beat Oklahoma State, and they came up short on the road. Uh, Skylar Howard has an up-and-down season, a down season like the Oklahoma State game where turnovers did him in. He's got a 17-9 to ratio. He's still looking for that feature back, although I like the triumvirate of Crawford, Shell, and McCoy. They've got some talent back there. Defensively, they probably have the best defense in the Big 12, uh, giving up just 101 yards per game. But I think if you lined them up player for player, uh, you'd see that Oklahoma has a little bit more talent. And I'm going to go with the talent in this one. So I'm picking the Sooners to win this one on the road. Appreciate the call, Justin. Joseph. 
This is how we do it on uh, Strong as Steel, and we, we know it's something that uh, you got to have for your college football enjoyment and pleasure. Make sure you let all your college football buddies, pals know about it. And if you check us out on iTunes, by the way, Phil, we got a lot of terrific uh, reviews as listeners left uh, a lot of positive comments about Strong as Steel. So if you're checking us out on iTunes, uh, go into the review box and uh, let us know if you like the show. We know that uh, our man Fred in Boston, he's a regular contributor to uh, Strong as Steel. And we welcome Fred to the show. Fred, I'm going to be at BC this weekend calling UConn and Steve Adazio's Eagles. So uh, maybe I'll see you there. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'd I'd like to know about um, the NC State-Miami game. I'd like to know if NC State has a chance at Upstate and the Hurricanes this weekend. All right. Thanks for the call, Fred. Uh, you know, when I look at NC State, I like the talent they have on the defensive front seven. They get pressure on the quarterback with 27 sacks this year, and that's really been a bugaboo for Miami of Florida. Remember that losing stretch they had against Florida State, North Carolina, VT, and Notre Dame? Uh, in that stretch, they allowed 18 sacks in the four weeks. Now, they've corrected that since then, only allowing two sacks the last two weeks. They've got three solid running backs in Walt Nearby and Edwards. Brad Kaya, one of the better quarterbacks in the country, not having an overwhelming year. In fact, coming in, he was probably the number two QB for the draft. Still a potential first-rounder, but needs a big finish. He's got a 19-7 ratio. Defensively, Miami is holding their opponents to 16 yards below their season average. When I look at NC State, I still see a team that I have not seen beat a big team yet. Remember last year, all of their wins came against teams that did not make a bowl game. This year, their wins have been over William & Mary, East Carolina, Old Dominion, Wake Forest, a Notre Dame team that hopefully they become bowl eligible this year in Syracuse last week. Whenever they take on a team that is bowl caliber, they have come up short on the scoreboard, and I believe Miami is that team. They've already qualified for a bowl with six wins, and I think that if they win their last two, they're looking at eight. They're a potential nine-win team this year. So as much as uh, I like the way that with NC State, the Boise State transfer Finley is playing at QB, Matthew Day's at running back, uh, I'm going to go with Miami and Florida to go on the road and get the win here. So I'm going to go with the Hurricanes and lay the three. Appreciate the call, Fred. All right, great to have all of you with us here on Strong as Steel. Again, uh, we're rolling now, so but we'll find room for you. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. We go to the uh, the great state of Indiana. That's how uh, Jeff got on board with us. Uh, hello, Jeff. Big Ten thoughts on your mind today, I assume. Hey, Michael. Yes, sir. And I uh, appreciate you having me on. I want to talk Indiana-Michigan. Quickly before I do, last week, uh, Indiana-Penn State, a heartbreaker for me personally, but quite the cover for Phil's inside the press box, folks. Um, But back to this week, Michigan's won the last 20 in a row against Indiana, and it looks unlikely that that'll change this week at the big house. Um, But coming off a heartbreaker, and though Harbaugh is still disputing it, Spade probably out for the season, Michigan is still giving up 22.5 to Indiana. So my question for you, Phil, is, do you see any value in the Hoosiers this week? All right, appreciate the call, Jeff. And, yeah, I've had a lot of those go against me throughout the uh, the years I've been doing this. And uh, that nice fumble return for a touchdown at the end of the Penn State game was uh, very helpful in their 14-point win. You know what I loved about Indiana last week? How about holding Saquon Barkley to uh, 58 yards on 33 carries, uh, 1.9 yards per carry? That's phenomenal. And their defense under Tom Allen has been great this year. Another thing I like about Indiana in this particular game, getting over three touchdowns, is the fact they play the big boys tough 
every time they play them. You go back to last year uh, when they played the big boys, they, they lost to Iowa in a game by eight. That was Iowa on way to an unbeaten season. Michigan needed a touchdown with two seconds to go to force overtime or they would have beaten Michigan at home. And uh, they even played Ohio State within seven points last year on the road. This year, once again, they played Ohio State tough. Uh, Nebraska, they lose two by five, so they can play the big boys tough like they did against top 10 Penn State last week, a game that was actually closer than the final score would indicate. Now, Michigan, if they win out, they're in the playoffs, so they do not need style points. They just need wins, and they've got a pretty big game next week, Ohio State. I'm not that concerned about Spate being out because Spate and O'Korn were basically even with each other coming into August. The two quarterbacks very close. O'Korn actually gives him a little bit more running ability than Spate does. Don't know if he's quite the passer that the Spate was becoming this year. But Michigan still has a solid defense. Held Iowa to 230 yards last week. Uh, I like Michigan to win the game, but I think Iowa, as usual, will give them a game. I'm definitely taking anything over three touchdowns in that one. So uh, I think I'm on your side this week, and we'll be rooting around the same team, Jeff. Appreciate the call. All right, Jeff, we appreciate that. Uh, yeah, John O'Corn. We all thought it was going to be Jim Harbaugh's choice, uh, and we'll see uh, what O'Corn has this week for the Wolverines. 646-668-2248. Great to have all of you locked in with us. Let's uh, swing down to Florida here on Strong as Steel. We do this every week for you. You can check it out here on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes as well. Here's Harrison from Florida with some thoughts uh, on college football this week. Hi, Harrison. Hi, how you guys doing? Good. Uh, I'm just calling to see why you guys uh, got a feel on Colorado State and New Mexico. Colorado State's a little inconsistent. I can't seem to figure them out. New Mexico seems to thrive as a dog. I'm wondering what you think. Yeah, and I love the way that New Mexico runs the football, and Colorado State has a tough time stopping the run. In fact, they're giving up 247 yards per game rushing, 5.5 yards per carry. Now, an advantage is it's the second straight week they played the option, but last week they came up way short, giving up 485 yards and 7.1 yards per carry to Air Force. And New Mexico is an even faster option. They've got more speed to the outside than does Air Force. So that I like that matchup there. Love the job that Bob Davies doing uh, at New Mexico. They only have three losses this year, and those losses, you know, the Boise State game, uh, you understand. The Rutgers in New Mexico State won, not so much, but uh, playing pretty good football. I think this game is uh, is going to be a tough one to call. Colorado State's at home. They need the win to become bowl eligible. New Mexico already is. But I'm taking the points here. I think New Mexico's getting uh, over a field goal in this one, probably closer to uh, four or six points. So I'm going to take New Mexico plus the points. I think it comes right down to the wire, decided by a field goal. So I'm clearly going to take the dog in this game. Appreciate the call. This is how we do it here on Strong as Steel. we still got a lot of room for you. Uh, Jim Nabosna getting all set. He's taking and gathering and taking a look at all the tweets that you're sending in to the show, and uh, we will make sure that uh, we have uh, all of you covered there. Again, 646-668-2248. We go over uh, close to, might even be at or exceed 30 college football games on the FBS side each and every week here on Strong as Steel. Phil, I think we're going to check in with Jim Nabosna now, as I know we've got tweets that are exploding, waiting to hear your thoughts on. So our producer, Jim Nabosna, front and center, what's the Twitter world giving us today on Strong as Steel, Jimmy? We have a bunch lined up, and we're going to start with Bob D. He said he's been impressed by Old Dominion this year 
and would like to know your outlook on their game as eight-point saves at FAU. All right, I appreciate the tweet, and good to bring up Old Dominion because Bobby Wilder is doing an exceptional job there. You know, they've got a running back, and two running backs actually, Ray Lowry and Jeremy Cox. These guys are each averaging over six yards a carry, have combined for 20 touchdowns. But how about their quarterback, David Washington? This is a guy that they moved to receiver at one point because he wasn't the perfect fit for the offense. But he's back at quarterback. He's got 21 touchdown passes and three interceptions. Now, that's not bad for an athletic quarterback. And uh, I just love the way their offense is performing this year. Remember, they had uh, Heineke a couple years ago. They were a pure pass offense. They wanted to do more running this year. They've accomplished that. Five yards a carry, high parade of completion percentage, very few turnovers. And defensively, they're actually holding conference foes to 28 yards below their season average. I think not throwing the football over the field helps your defense. Now, Florida Atlantic's a team that, you know, hasn't been blown out by a lot of folks. You look at their losses this year in conference play. I mean, even Ball State, they lost by four. Florida International by two. Charlotte by five. Marshall by six. Western Kentucky's the only team that beat them big. And they've rebounded lately to beat both Rice and UTEP. Driscoll's doing better at the QB spot. But I think ODU's the better team. Most of their wins have been by double digits. So as close as Florida Atlantic has been playing, folks, I like to ride this Old Dominion train. I'm going to take Old Dominion by uh, double digits in this one. Appreciate the tweet. Jeremy Peterman's got a two-part question for you, squeezing as much as he can into 140 characters. He <laughs> wants to know there are two games that he sees as pickums this week, UTEP Rice and Tulsa UCF. What are your thoughts on those? All right, when I look at Tulsa and UCF, Tulsa's coming off the game where they were a slight favorite over Navy last week ended up coming up short. Uh, this UCF team, they're scary because of the fact that, believe it or not, this is a team that's won a lot of conference games this year. They have been outgained in every single conference game. They are minus 84 yards. But I've watched this team play, and they're a good team. So somehow they're doing it a little bit with mirrors, maybe a little bit with special teams. They're at home in Bright House. Bright House is actually one of the louder stadiums out there. They have aluminum bleachers. The folks uh, stomp their feet on it. It gets really loud. They've been extremely tough in Bright House Stadium. It's the second straight big game for Tulsa. They have an explosive offense, as we saw last week, putting up 40 points against Navy. Love the job Dane Evans is doing. But I also love the job that Frost is doing is Scott Frost is doing as the head coach of Central Florida. So I think Central Florida being at home in Bright House gets it done this week. I'm going to go with Central Florida to pull the upset there. Better defense and at home. Now the other game, UTEP and Rice, frankly I've been disappointed with UTEP this year. They've had a couple of close losses, but this is a team I thought would be playing better defense. Uh, when you look at their roster and you look at what they have in the backfield, they've got Aaron Jones in the backfield, one of the best running backs in the country. He's averaging 7.3 yards a carry. Since they've switched to Ryan Metz at QB, they're getting much better passing game out of them. But once again last week, blew a late lead, lost to Florida Atlantic, and now they're taking on a Rice team that was pretty much given up for dead. And, and frankly, I'm shocked. Bailiff usually has a very competitive squad. This team only has two wins this year, and they got one of them last week upsetting Charlotte on the road. Uh, I think these are two teams that are pretty close talent-wise. Rice is at home. Neither can go to a bowl game. I'm going to go with the best player on the field, Aaron Jones, the running back for UTEP. But I'm going to call for UTEP to go on the road and get an upset. Can't expect the home field is going to be too, too much of an edge for Rice here. So I'm going to take UTEP in that one. Appreciate the tweets, Jeremy. Mountain Miles would like to know if Notre Dame can upset Virginia Tech this week to get one step closer to bowl eligibility. 
Love what Notre Dame did last week. And, you know, they had some uh, advantages last week. There was a second straight week of facing the option. And Army's athletes on defense really couldn't stand up to Notre Dame's athletes on offense. And as expected, a big blowout win for Notre Dame, 44-6. to Now, they don't have those same advantages this week. VT's got some players on the defensive side of the ball, led by Bud Foster. Offensively, Jared Evans is a dangerous quarterback. I mean, this guy is mobile. He's leading the team in rushing with 608 yards. He's got 22 touchdown passes, four interceptions. I definitely give Virginia Tech the advantage on the defensive side of the ball. But Notre Dame, remember at the start of the year we thought they couldn't stop anybody? A lot of that was because of who they were playing. On the year, they're holding opponents to 48 yards below their season average. So they're playing better defense each and every week. And offensively, they've got a quarterback in Kaiser who could very well be the first quarterback taken in the draft. He's right at the top of the draft boards. They've got Adams in the backfield, Equinomis St. Brown, a receiver. They're at home and... Virginia Tech's most important game of the season is actually next week. They play Virginia. If they beat Virginia next week, they win their division. They're in the ACC title game. This game, even though it's Notre Dame, South Bend, sort of uh, on the, it doesn't really matter in their scope of things for the season. I think ACC championship or at least ACC coastal champ is what they're looking for. So the situation, final home game, Notre Dame, I'm going to take the Irish to win this one at home. Mark Major would like to know what you think of of K-State's chances on the road at Baylor. This is one where uh, my computer and I have had some disagreements this week, uh, heated arguments at times. Computer likes Baylor this week, and I think when you look at them statistically, you understand why. But I'm going to go with K-State for a couple of reasons here. First of all, I think K-State's actually a better football team. They may not do it statistically on a weekly basis to impress my computer, but I like their defense. And offensively, Jesse Ertz has been the big difference between last year and this year. When Ertz went down the starting game last year, really put the offense in turmoil. This year, they're averaging 31 points per game, which is a big improvement over last year. I like the way he runs and throws the ball, and he's taken on a Baylor defense that, you know, at the start of the year, this was a depth-shy team. They came into the season with only 70 scholarship players. They're wearing down each week. In fact, the last three games, they've given up about 350 yards per game rush. That's a nice situation for K-State. Baylor lost their starting quarterback, Seth Russell, to injury. It's up to freshman Zach Smith to take on that confusing K-State defense. And Bill Snyder's off a bye. Tremendous record, off a bye. One of the best head coaches in the game. Baylor's head coaches, meanwhile, and and assistant coaches putting out their resumes, trying to figure out where they're going to be working next year. I think K-State goes into Baylor and comes out with a solid victory here. I like K-State. And E's got a question about a a huge game in the pack this weekend. Who wins the Washington State versus Colorado game in Colorado? You know, the game's actually more important to Colorado. They need to win to stay alive in the South. Washington State win or lose this week. What they do against Washington next week in the Apple Cup will determine whether or not they get to the championship game. The game is being played uh, in the altitude, which is a nice advantage for Colorado to have. And as impressed as I've been with Washington State this year, and it's not your typical Washington State team. This team can run the football a little. They've got 132 yards per game rush. This from a team that rarely rushes. They're always under 100 yards rushing per game. Defensively, they're holding opponents to 48 yards below their season average. Yeah, Washington State defense, same sentence. I just used it. They're playing good on that side of the ball. Colorado's got the superior defense, though. They're giving up 
holding the opponent 78 yards below their season average. Sifo Lefau doing a great job at QB. They've got the run game led by Philip Lindsay. They're at home, and I've just been impressed with Colorado each and every week this season. And uh, so I think situation-wise, you got to favor Colorado. I think they're the slightly better team to begin with. I'm going to take Colorado to win that one by a touchdown. Tremendous stuff on Twitter, and we've got more coming up. Uh, this is how we do it. We we don't neglect social media, so jump on. Get with Jim Nabosna at Jim underscore Nabosna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A, our producer, at Phil Steele 42 at Michael Regai, and we'll check Twitter again. Those are some excellent questions. Uh, also, you guys jump on board with us, too, 646-668-2248. 646-668-2248 as we cover college football for you. Phil, I think I'm going to jump in here, and uh, how about we, we roll with some more Mid-American Conference action. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to next week so we can kind of review it next Wednesday. How's that? That sounds good, and uh, we, we're at 15, Michael, so we got to squeeze in 15 coming up. But here we go with Michael Redguy's Mac Game of the Week. And he's looking at Ohio against Akron. I, with no number in Vegas right yet, but I'm going to tell you, Michael, I would expect the number on this game to be somewhere between Ohio minus 10 to Ohio minus 14, 15, 16 points, mm-hmm. something in that area. So who you like in the Ohio-Akron game? Yeah, I agree with that, Phil. And uh, also, remember last week, I'm going to go back real quick, I gave you that Toledo and Northern Illinois game. is Toledo 31-27 over Northern Illinois, right? Well, it wound up 31-24. Toledo, I gave you Toledo with the outright win, and I gave you Northern Illinois to stay inside that 7.5 number. So feeling good about that as we bounce forward to uh, Akron and Ohio. Look, Akron was sitting there with a chance to make this game real relevant three weeks ago. They were sitting at 5-3, and three, and Terry Bowden's football team forgot how to play defense. They've lost three in a row at Buffalo, at home to Toledo, and then the surprising one to Bowling Green last week, and they're giving up 42 points a game. One of the best defenses, maybe the best defense in the MAC in 2015, falling on some hard times. And they've also fallen on hard. They've got quarterback issues now. Terry Bowden has lost his, uh, his top two, and the starter, Thomas Woodson, was having a real decent year. He's had shoulder problems. And then Trayvon Chapman got hurt in the Bowling Green game last week. So who did they turn to? A lot of us thought that Matt Hoyer, the brother of Brian Hoyer, the Chicago Bears quarterback, who's been the number three, might get the call. But Terry Bowden went with a slot receiver, Terrell Goodman, in the loss to Bowling Green. Now, Goodman, of course, was a, a high school um, uh, zone read, read option quarterback. Didn't go too well for the Akron Zips. So right now the pass game is non-existent. I'm hearing that maybe Tommy Woodson will be ready to go next week, but it's certainly no given. So Akron right now is in a, uh, some problems on both sides of the ball. Ohio Bobcats, they got beat uh, last night. Tremendous football game. Central Michigan beat them 27-20. to And yet, uh, you know, this Ohio football team defensively, again, under Frank Solich, has proven to be one of the best. Keep an eye on the linebacking core. Quentin Poling. Uh, Blair Brown and Chad Moore, in my mind, the best linebacking core in the MAC. They they hit you, they thud you, and they they can run sideline to sideline defensively. That's how Ohio stay in games. And oh, the running game as well, averaging 191 yards a game now. And Dorian Brown and Malik Irons and Poppy White are the three running backs that Coach Solich has really gotten steady play from. You put all this together, Phil. 
I like Ohio in this one. They'll wrap up the MAC East division and and they'll go to Detroit with this win against Akron. You said the line is in that uh, that area, maybe fifteen somewhere in there. I like uh, Ohio with a twenty point win, thirty seven seventeen, to beat Akron next week and punch that ticket to go to Detroit in the MAC championship game. Sounds great. Take that to the bank. It's Michael's Mac game of the week. Let's hit some. Uh, let's hit some rank games rapid fire here, Michael. Let's do rank games rapid fire. All right, Phil. Let's uh, let's check in with the those Wisconsin Badgers, Paul Chris football team in the Big Ten. They gotta go to Purdue this week. Wisconsin's rolling right now, Phil. Yeah, finally got that run game going. It, you know, under Paul Chris, they really have not been a dominating run game. You look at last year's numbers, below average. Start of this year, below average. Finally, 363 yards rushing. Granted, it came against Illinois, but guess what? Now they're taking on Purdue. You could do the same thing against Purdue. They're giving up 283 yards per game rush, 6.4 yards per carry. Let's keep feeding Corey Clement. Let's keep feeding those outstanding running backs. I think that's what Wisconsin will do. You look at how Purdue's done in their home games. Now, they gave Northwestern a battle last week. They're a team that can play you for a half. They are only down 14-10 to 10 last week. When they hosted Penn State, it was 17-17 at the half. They lost those games by 38 and 28 points. And earlier, Iowa led 42-14 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter and put their backups in because they had a big game on deck. Purdue can be crushed. They have an interim head coach. Wisconsin's on a roll. Hefty spread deserves to be a hefty spread. This one, Wisconsin plays its best at this time of the year. I like the Badgers to win this one by about five touchdowns in this one. Whoa, that's heavy, but I'm right with you, Phil. like that a lot. Let's stay in the Big Ten as we move on. The Nebraska Cornhuskers. Thankfully, Tommy Armstrong, Phil, is all right after the concussion at Ohio State. Well, and poor DJ Durkin in Maryland. They got to go from back to back with Michigan, Ohio State, and now go to Lincoln. Might not be pretty, huh? You know, at the end of last week's game, Tommy Armstrong got the game-winning touchdown, and as he dove into the end zone, he tweaked his hamstring. So he he is questionable coming into this week with that hamstring injury, whether he's not going to play, and he is a big part of their offense. But this is one of those weeks where whether they have Armstrong or not, I think Riker Fife. Let's say he has to start this week. I think he'll do a fine job because the way to attack Maryland right now is to run the football down their throat. And Maryland's given up 260 yards per game, 5.7 in Big Ten play, but it's been getting progressively worse over the last four weeks. They're giving up about 6.8 yards per carry. Last week they tried all kinds of lineup changes on the defensive side of the ball to try to cope with Ohio State. Didn't matter. They were whipped. And Perry Hills, their starting quarterback, has been very important to this team. Now, the games he has not started and finished were Penn State. They lost by 24. Minnesota lost by 21. Michigan lost by 56. Ohio State lost by 59. Hills got banged up again last week. When Hills is healthy, starts and plays the entire game, they're 5-1. and one. Without him, 0-4 and, and all four of the losses. I'm surprised Nebraska only about a 14-point favorite in here, especially with Maryland off a couple of blowout losses. I'm going to take Nebraska to win this one by three touchdowns or more. I think you're on the money with that, Phil. Hey, jump in. We've got room for you. 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. Phil, staying in the Big Ten, uh, Iowa. Huge field goal at the final gun to beat Michigan last week. Now they got to go to Illinois. They think hangover, rest on their laurels, or the Hawkeyes uh, use that as a springboard in the final two weeks. Yeah, and normally you like to go against teams off a big win like that. They charged the field. It was one of the biggest wins I always had since 
I think it was back in the 80s when they beat number two Michigan and with Hayden Fry mm-hmm. as the head coach. Uh, so normally I like to do that, but they should use this as a springboard. It's been a disappointing season for Iowa. As much as some people are going to be slapping them on the back, I think I'd say, come on, we haven't done anything this year. We're actually right now just a 6-4 and four team. We need to, to get some victories down the stretch. Love the way their defense played. Held a potent Michigan team to 201 yards. That was the best any defense has done all year. Meanwhile, Illinois' offense has really been struggling. With the exception of the Michigan State game, their previous uh, four games recently, 172, 245, and 200 yards. Uh, Jeff George Jr. got uh, pulled in the second half. It should be West Lunt starting here, but their offense is uh, for the season averaging 81 yards below what an opponent normally averages. So I think they struggle. I like Iowa's offense to get rolling. Wadley and Daniels should find plenty of room against an Illinois defense that's given up 4.6 yards per carry in Big Ten play, even in a letdown situation. I'm going to call for Iowa to win this one by two touchdowns or more. 646-668-2248. You're locked in with Strong as Steel. It's a must-have for you each and every Wednesday as we get you set for a big college football weekend. Phil, you and I both had Jimbo Fisher and his Florida State Seminoles right at the, the top of the class, right? The creme de la creme this year in college football. Yeah, we uh, we didn't work out quite the way we thought, but uh, they blow out Boston College last week. Now they got to come up north to Syracuse. Uh, how do you think Florida State handles that trip? You know, the key to me is Eric Dungy, the quarterback for Syracuse. Without him, they have had very little offense. You go back to that Clemson game two weeks ago, 277 yards against NC State, 218 yards against the Wolfpack at home. They struggle to run the ball. And if they have to throw it without Dungy, their offense really is is going down. When you look at Florida State, their defense is starting to play better and better by the week. They get pressure on the quarterback, 33 sacks this year, and uh, they're getting better every single week offensively. Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Francois, I mean, let's face it, Dalvin Cook, this will be it for his career. He needs to have a nice big finish. And they're playing in the, the comforting fi- confines of the Carrier Dome, so they don't have to worry about the weather up north or anything like that. Uh, this is a team that in uh, Syracuse has had some big losses at home. South Florida came in and beat them by 25. Louisville came in and beat them by 34. I like Florida State uh, to win this one probably by 24 to 31 points in this one. All right, a Florida State a winner there. Let's swing out to the West Coast. Phil, we know when Stanford and California get together out in the Pac-12, rivalry game, a lot of big things happen. Disappointing year for both of them. How do you see it? You know, I heard somebody on ESPN describe Stanford a couple weeks ago as a a bad team that was non-competitive. Well, this team's seven and three for crying out loud, and they just beat Oregon last week, fifty-two to twenty-seven. And I see this as a similar type of matchup this week. When uh, you look at uh, Stanford against Oregon, they were taking on a weak defense. I mean, Oregon's defense was giving up 126 yards above what their opponent's average. Cal, how about 120 yards above their opponent's average? They're giving up six yards a carry and 64% completions. They have a tough time stopping the runner pass. Look for a huge game out of Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love as well. And Keller Chris finally got it going in the passing game after throwing for just 60 yards against Oregon State. How about 258 against Oregon? 
This is Stanford team that has uh, now covered three in a row, or uh, should have covered three in a row. They were one inch from covering two weeks ago against Oregon State. Now, Cal's Davis-Webb had a great start to the year, but they haven't been as explosive lately. How about just 21 points last week against Washington State? Granted, they've taken on good defenses. They've had 24, 27, 21 against USC, Washington, and Washington State. Well, guess what? They're playing another good defense here. Stanford's defense giving up just 84, or holding opponents, 84 yards per game below their season average. Solomon Thomas can be a game wrecker inside of that defensive tackle spot. So I think Stanford's got the edges offensively, defensively, special teams, and is this a bad trip for them? No, they've they've won comfortably their last three times here in the game. I'm going to take Stanford to win this one by two touchdowns or more. Phil sounds like he's from Northern California calling it the game as they do <laughs> as they do up there. All right, Phil, let's stay in the uh, the Pac-12 because, you know, we're both very high on Washington as well. You touched on them a little bit as you broke down Washington State and Colorado. But Washington stays at home against Arizona State. I, I, I believe Chris Peterson will get his kids back up and ready to play. Do you? Yeah, shouldn't be any problem. Now, sometimes – you know, when you lose that first game of the season, there's a bubble burst because a lot of your dreams have died. I do not believe their dreams have died this year. In fact, I think if they went out, they would get in over a two-loss Big Ten champ and a lot of two-loss champs out there. So I think they're very much alive. Uh, I am concerned about two defensive players that are missing, which really were a big chunk of the defense. Joe Mathis, their outstanding defensive end, and Azeem Victor, one of the best linebackers in the country you never heard of. Victor went out in the first quarter against USC last week. Mathis went out four weeks ago. They've only had four sacks the last four weeks, but guess what? Arizona State rolls to town, and this is an Arizona State team that in their last game gave up 11 sacks to Utah. They've given up 33 on the year. I think Washington's going to find that pass rush, and they're a team that does need style points. Washington can't waffle through and just win their games and make the playoffs. They need to win and win impressively. And Arizona State, let's take a look at their road games this year. At USC, lost by 21. At Colorado, lost by 24. At Oregon, the same team Washington uh, destroyed a few weeks back, 70-21. to 21. Arizona State lost to that same team by 19 points. They lost at home to Utah by 17. I see an Arizona State team that's banged up on defense. Uh, Manny Wilkins is back on offense, but they're giving up 537 yards per game, 66% completions. Look for a five-touchdown passing day out of Jake Browning at QB, and look for Washington to roll up this one by more than the four touchdowns. Big bounce back, says Phil, for the Washington Huskies and Chris Peterson. I know you like our uh, high-octane uh, rapid-fire offense, so we do it that way for you. We've got room for you if you want to jump on board. 646-668-2248 on Twitter as well. Your tweets have been terrific. In fact, I'm going to go back to our producer, Jim Nabosna, right now because you're so good with what you're laying out on Twitter that we want your questions heard. All right, Jimmy, front and center. Go ahead. DJ1 has a question on Arkansas State versus Troy sets up as a Sun Belt semifinal. Will Troy prevail? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. At the start of the year, I had Arkansas State uh, tied at the top of the Sun Belt, and uh, if they win this game, they remain unbeaten in the Sun Belt, and they take it home, and Troy last week, very impressive. Now, that App State game was a wild one, came right down to the wire, and I think Troy expended a little bit of energy. App State was a team that came in, 
Uh, you know, the conference favorite at the start of the year. They ended up beating them 28-24. to Needed a late touchdown drive to do it. They gave up a touchdown in the final minutes, then drove the length of the field and got that touchdown in the final minutes to deliver the win. I thought Troy was the better team on the day. They outgained them by 82 yards. But now they got to get up with that same type of fire and passion to take on Arkansas State. And you look at Arkansas State's uh, score last week. Arkansas State played New Mexico State. The final score is 41-22, to but New Mexico State actually had a late drive for a touchdown at the end of the game. It was 41-15. to That drive was costly to some folks out there because it resulted in a touchdown with four seconds left. But I like what I'm seeing out of uh, Arkansas State since Justice Hansen took over a QB. Uh, Warren Ward is Warren Wand, I should say, one of the shortest running backs in football. He's five foot five, but a lot of fun to watch. So make sure you watch him here. Arkansas State's defense holding opponents to 38 yards below their season average in conference play. So they actually have a slight edge defensively. Like what they're doing on offense. Situation, I like it because Troy's in their second straight big game, and they've been able to coast the last few weeks. I'd like Arkansas State to take this right to the wire and possibly even pull the upset. Appreciate the uh, tweet. Paul would like to know if Navy is still a value play versus ECU this weekend, considering they were minus three before the first game was postponed. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, when you look at EC, though, it's it's worthy of it. I, I actually thought Navy would be a bigger favorite because of the way they've been playing recently. Uh, when they were first supposed to play was right after the South Florida game. East Carolina had been playing very good at that time. Since then, EC's gone one and three. They just lost at home to SMU by 24 points. The previous week they had lost to Tulsa by 21. Their defense in those last two weeks has given up almost 1,100 yards offense. And you look at Navy's option. I say it every year. This is a team that their option gets better in the second half of the season. And once again this year, they're averaging over 40 points per game their last five games. Will Worth running that option at a high level. They're going to take advantage of an EC defense that's given up 5.4 yards per carry. Now, East Carolina is going to score some points. Whether it's Gardner Minshew or Phillip Nelson, the two quarterbacks have been splitting time uh, back and forth there. I think EC will get some points here in this game. It should be a high-scoring game, but I'm going to I'm going to lay the seven on the road. I still think there's value there in Navy and love playing them in the second week of the season. Plus, if they win this game, they wrap up their division in the American Conference and get into that uh, the uh, title game, and I think that's big. So I'm going to go with Navy by over the touchdown. Vaughn15 wants to know how you're feeling about the Houston Cougars against Louisville this Thursday night, fellas. You know, I think Houston's got a chance. And look at Louisville's schedule. And this goes back to what Michael touched on, and, and I knew we'd get a question of it during, and we'd talk a little bit about the ratings. I think if the committee looks at Louisville's schedule, uh, they've beaten Florida State. And other than that, it's Charlotte, Syracuse, Marshall, Duke, Virginia, Boston College, Wake Forest. About the only team they face that's going to a bowl besides Wake Forest, which should get there, is NC State. So very few bowl teams have they faced. They've taken on mostly the uh, the weaker teams in the ACC this year. So I wonder what they're going to do here. Now, Lamar Jackson is an exciting player, but Houston's done great at home. They've done great as an underdog, especially a home underdog. And, you know, at the start of the year, Houston was an underdog to, to Oklahoma and played a tremendous game, upsetting the Sooners in that opening game of the season. Since then, they've been a favorite in all their games. Well, now they're back in their underdog role. Now, Greg Ward, not 100%. If Greg Ward was 100%, I think I'd probably call for a Houston upset here, which is still possible. 
Houston's defense playing well this year, uh, holding opponents to 88 yards below their season average, which is actually 14th best in the country. Louisville's got the numbers. They've had some close games, though. The Wake Forest game last week, actually 12-10 with 10 minutes to go in the game. The Virginia game, they win by seven. The Duke game, they probably only should have won by three. They had a roughing the kicker call on the field goal. I like Houston, plus the double digits in this one. I think it's going to be a tremendous football game. I'm right with you, and don't be shocked if Houston comes up with a win. Don't be shocked. There's my call for you that will make you think a little bit this weekend. You got any, one more, Jimmy? We have one more in the box here. Mike Torres wants to know if Pitt will avoid a letdown versus Duke. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough because this was a pit team that uh, pretty much was very excited after winning that game on the road. Now they've got everybody patting them on the back, telling them how great they are. And, you know, here is one of the best underdog coaches in the country. Surprised Michael got off of the Duke bandwagon last week, but they ended up pulling the win over North Carolina. I'm sure, Michael, how about you that? Be back, you, are you back you on the Duke what? bandwagon this week? Oh, believe me, I got a call from David Cutcliffe, and he said, I thought you were my guy and were with me constantly, <laughs> which I have been all these yeah. years, Phil, as you yeah, know. It, so, it, yeah, they, uh, no Michael surprise, been, though, right, the way they played. No, not at all. And, in fact, because Michael's been picking Duke all year as an underdog, I liked Duke last week against North Carolina, and they did not surprise me. And love the job that Daniel Jones is doing at the quarterback spot. He looks like a good passer, solid runner. Mm-hmm. He began the season with a negative ratio. I think he had something like a, a 6-8 ratio. But since then, a 6-1 ratio down the stretch. I love the way the offense looked. Cutcliffe is one of the best head coaches at getting his team prepared for a game. Duke uh, right now has got six losses. They can't afford any more. It wouldn't surprise me if they win this game by any chance, especially with Pitt having a little bit of a letdown factor coming into this one off that big win against Clemson. And Pitt's wins this year, they've had some close ones, like Georgia Tech by three, well, the Clemson one, Penn State by three. I like Duke plus the points in this one and a potential upset. And a lot of I started looking at Duke once once Michael uh, picked them out early in the season uh, when they were a dog, and uh, I've been following them ever since. That a boy, Phil. Way to make it happen. I'm with you on that, too, of course. Uh, David Cutcliffe, keep rolling. All right, Phil, we got to go back to the Big Ten because two squads that want to represent the Big Ten East and go to that Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. The Ohio State Buckeyes go into East Lansing to tangle with one of Jim Dressel's former D coordinator, Mark D'Antonio. Phil, Mark D'Antonio has beaten Urban Meyer two times, right, in the uh, the four years that they've they've uh, faced one another. But this is a Michigan State team that finally got a win last week. Yeah, and, you know, as we were talking about earlier, Michael, this is a Michigan State team that's much better than its final residence record would indicate. In fact, heading into last week, they have been winless in the Big Ten, but we're outgaining their opponents. Well, right now, they're outgaining their Big Ten opponents by 59 yards per game, despite the fact they're 1-7. and seven. So they're not that bad of a football team, and look how they do as an underdog. They've been an underdog exactly twice this year. Uh, knocked off Notre Dame, nearly knocked off Michigan. That's a game that uh, scored a late touchdown, and Michigan got the two-point conversion to win the game by nine. Uh, so this is a Michigan State team that's very dangerous. They're in their home finale. They're going to be fired up for this one. And last week, they just thrashed Rutgers, much like Ohio State thrashed Rutgers earlier in the year, 49 to nothing with a 440 to 149-yard edge. Now, Ohio State's got the – what's that team they're playing next week? Uh, oh, yeah, Michigan. So and that to wear the amazing blue. <laughs> if they if they get uh, past that team up north, as they like to say, 
that will put them in the playoffs. I think whether they win the Big Ten title or not, they control their own destiny, win their final two games, they are in the playoffs. Nobody in the committee is going to keep Ohio State out. The key is winning. They don't really need style points. They need to escape East Lansing with a victory. Now, I think Ohio State's got the horses to get the win here, but the spread's up over three touchdowns, Michael, and it's just automatic with me. Michigan State, underdog, I'm going to take the Spartans plus the points in that one, especially since they're getting over three touchdowns. So I'm taking. I'm going to call Ohio State to win it by 17 to 21 points. Yeah, I uh, I would have to concur with that. I mean, shocking what's happened in a lot of ways to Mark D'Antonio's squad this year. But uh, yeah, like you said, they've they've played Ohio State very tough, beat Urban Meyer twice. I would no, I'm with you. No. I'll take Michigan State in the points. Now, Michael, I'm uh, I'm going to have to keep you after school here because we're at 27, and I'm not yeah. letting you out the door until we get to 30. So no, we no. got to get three more games I'll, here, you, my friend. I wasn't going anywhere. I'm I'm asking <laughs> you about everybody. Think, well, the, this thing going on at Rutgers this week, Penn State's going in there. Uh, you know, everybody's got this as just a complete gimme. Name the number as Rutgers has just had such a tough time this year. You know, Phil, is Penn State going to get caught up? They Look, kids know, right? I mean, regardless of what James Franklin says, I mean, you know, social media – Kids know. Penn State knows. They win their final two football games. They're going to go to the Big Ten championship game. That won't be a problem against Rutgers, will it? I don't think it will be. In fact, Saquon Barkley last week really got shut down by Indiana, as we touched on earlier. Tom Allen's defense did a tremendous job against them, and uh, they struggled against Indiana. But Indiana is a team uh, that is a bowl-caliber team from the Big Ten. Now, Rutgers just two weeks ago played that same Indiana team, only lost by six. But they were outgained by 216 yards per game. And this is a Rutgers team being outgained by an average of 222 yards per game in Big Ten play. Giovanni Resigno last week finally struggled. After coming in and taking over the starting job and doing well, how about 6 of 18 for 40 yards? And that was against Michigan State's defense. But Penn State's got a good defense. And ever since Penn State got back their linebackers, Cabinda and Bell, their defense has been playing a lot better. So I look for Penn State's defense to shut down this Rutgers offense, which is only averaging 256 yards per game in Big Ten play. And on the flip side of the coin, can they get Saquon Barkley going? And I'm saying yes against Rutgers. Rutgers giving up almost six yards per carry in Big Ten play. So if you've got Barkley running the ball and you've got that defense teeing off, a defense that's recorded 30 sacks this year so far, I don't think this will be any trouble. I like Penn State. And, uh, you know, if you make me play this game against the spread, I'll, I'll, I'll lay the points in this one. I think Penn State comes right. in with some effort this week. What would you say Saquon Barkley last week was held to 58 yards? On 33 attempts. 225 yards plus this week for Saquon Barkley on the ground. Nice call, Michael. I'm writing that down. 225 yards for Saquon Barkley. 25 plus for Saquon Barkley this week. The exact opposite of last week in Bloomington. Phil, let's go out to the West Coast. We hit on a few Pac-12s. I, you know, we could spend all kinds of time on what what is going on with Mark Helfrich and Brady Hoke, his D coordinator's defense. We won't, though. Utah, big football game for the Utes. They've got a lot to play for. They're at home in Salt Lake City. Are they going to take advantage of that paltry Oregon D? Uh, the answer to that, Michael, is yes. <laughs> there are a lot of folks out there that might want to say, uh, 
you know, Oregon is playing with revenge because last year Utah came into their house and beat them 62 to 20. Mm. So they're out for revenge, right? Well, guess what? They were should have been up for being a home underdog to Stanford, and they lost by 25. Uh, they should have been up for uh, games like Washington, a team they had beaten 10 straight years, and they lost that by 49. Uh, and the key is what you just pointed out. It's not Brady Hoke's fault. I mean, Brady Hoke took over a bad defense and one that had one returning starter in its defensive front seven. This season, they've lost three starters off that front wall. They're giving up 6.2 yards per carry. And while they can't stop the run, they're giving up 70% completion. So as an offensive coordinator, Michael, wouldn't you like to be one? You look at your play card, and you can almost close your eyes, spin your finger, point it down, and say, I'm calling this one. And boom, it's 10, 15 yards against this duck defense. That's how they're playing right now. And and Utah's got Joe Williams. And and wouldn't you like to come out of retirement? You know, when you retire, Michael, I hope you come out of retirement and play like Joe Williams did because he retired earlier in the year, okay. basically quit the team. Yeah. And since then, he's rushed for 179, 332, 172, 181. So 20 years from now when you retire, I want you to come back out a year later and have a year like that. <laughs> he's going to top 1,000 yards it. rushing. And they actually have one of the better defenses in the country, that defensive front line. Hunter Dimmick had five sacks last week, 11 sacks overall. I think Justin Herbert's in for a long day. He's a six foot six quarterback at Oregon, uh, and I think he's going to be is a little less mobile than their normal quarterbacks are. And I think you're going to look for Hunter Dimmick and that great front wall that creates some havoc. I'll take the Utes, and uh, I'm going to take the Utah by over three touchdowns in this game. Yeah, I'm so convinced as an offensive coordinator, I'd be looking my chops. I would give Phil Steele twenty carries uh, against the Oregon <laughs> defense. And I expect 100-plus yards and at least two touchdowns. How's that? You got it. You I got, got it. The perfect, per, and I know you'd, you'd make me happy, too. I got the perfect one to wind it up this week, Phil. Game day is going to be there. Kalamazoo, Michigan, by the polls, the 14th-ranked undefeated Western Michigan. Just Alabama and Western Michigan, Phil. That's it. Only ones undefeated now around the FBS can they name their number against Buffalo, and or will they succumb to all the bright lights and uh, the big uh, the big music of game day coming in? Yeah, and you know, there's also playing with that unbeaten pressure. And a lot of times, yep. we saw it last week, number two, number three, number four go down. Teams that know they need to win, they're playing with pressure. The other team's playing loose. You're a big favorite. Your fans all think you're going to win big. And they got a game next week, Toledo. And that game against Toledo is one they absolutely have to win, and that's going to be a very good football team. Now, there is no doubt Western Michigan's a superior squad here. I love the way that Franklin and Bogan are running the football. They've, the two guys have combined for nearly 2,000 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. Zach Terrell at QB, how about one interception the entire year, 23 touchdowns. And it helps when you got a guy like Corey Davis to throw to. He's an NFL-caliber receiver. Uh, the defense is playing well. They're holding opponents 32 yards below their season average. Uh, and you look at Buffalo, their, qu- their quarterback, Tyree Jackson, who had been improving on a weekly basis, comes into this game a little bit on the questionable side. You look at running back, I like the way Jordan Johnson's running the football, and they've been more competitive than the final scores would indicate. You go back two weeks ago when they played Ohio. They actually had, a, I think it was a 371 to 311 yard edge after three quarters. But turnovers did them in. They were trailing the football game and ended up uh, losing by 24. Last week, once again, played a, they actually outgained Miami 380 to 309, but some of that did come late. But a 27 to 11 first down edge. So it's a Buffalo team that, let's face it, they've struggled on the road. They've got losses by 24, 37, 32, and 24 points on the road. Western Michigan, on paper, should win this by 35. But 
with Toledo on deck, with the unbeaten pressure. I don't know if they get to that 35, and I think you'll see Buffalo, you know, when you talk to Coach Leipold, he's a guy that I don't think they're going to lay down and just uh, let Western Michigan walk all over him. I think they're going to come and give a, a little bit of a game. So I'll call for Western to win, but I don't know if they're going to win by more than 35 points here, Michael. All right, we'll we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I do like Western Michigan to uh, jump it and jump on it big in preparation, preparation for Toledo, Phil. I I think we have uh, we've gone from stem to stern, and we have done a uh, I'd say a solid job in getting through uh, everything that uh, all wanted to know about with this college football weekend ahead of us. And if I if I didn't top a hundred, Michael, I'd be very disappointed. I'd say take the bench away <laughs> like uh, Hawaii did last week, and no water. Yeah. You know that that's what I would do if yeah, it didn't okay. top a hundred there. Yeah, well, I'd make you run more gassers, that's for sure. I appreciate and, uh, it. You know, I, and then I'd tell you you're not getting any carries the following week. So as well I'd be you a should. tough taskmaster. Yeah, I love there it. You go. Love it. There you and go. I tell you, hey, Michael, great job today. Of, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Covered 30 games. I hope the listeners appreciate it. And by all means, next week we got another full card. Love to take your phone calls on any game of the weekend. Talk about any game. So make sure you give us a call next week. Uh, same time slot, right, Michael? Yep, same time slot next week. Uh, check us out on iTunes as well. You can, uh, Phil, as you always tell uh, all of our uh, our faithful listeners, I mean, you can dial that up on your way to work, uh, on the way home from work, and there's a review box as well. Uh, if you like the show when you're uh, checking us out on iTunes, uh, drop a, a, quick, uh, a quick thought of why you like it, and uh, we'd appreciate that very, very much. Uh, we appreciate all of you being a, a weekly part of Strongest Steel. Tell all your college football friends they can't miss it. So for our producer, Jim Nabosna and Phil Steele. And, Phil, check everything out, right? PhilSteele.com, uh, inside the press box. You have everything uh, on, your, on your website, on the Internet, that will keep everybody glued in to college football. That's right. Steele'sWeeklyPreview.com as well. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right, Phil, have a great football weekend. Jim Nabosna, you as well. Michael Regai reminding all of you to do the same, and we'll see you all right uh, back here next week on our next edition of Strong as Steel. So then, so long, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.